0: So, um, where it's uh, where we're at right now is the the second plague, and this is a plague of frogs. Now, in Egypt, the frog was a fertility symbol. Uh, the uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's H E Q E T Heket. I'm gonna say uh, the goddess of resurrection, fertility, and childbirth, and uh, that goddess the statue of this goddess that they made up had the head of a frog on it. So um, when we're considering uh, how they were involved in such pagan worship, uh, there's uh, the great chance that uh, God was addressing that. So uh, Exodus, I almost said Genesis, Exodus chapter 8 verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go. That they may serve me, but if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs, so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into your houses, uh, the houses of your servants, uh, on your people, into uh, your ovens, and into your kneading bowls, and frogs came up uh, shall come up upon. You on your people and all your servants. So here's the second installment of "Let My People Go" or else. And uh, it happens to be that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, "Go to Pharaoh and tell him these things, um, uh, that they may serve me." And but there's a a a, a choice here. It says, "But if you refuse, they're going to be smitten with frogs." So uh, frogs may not sound that frightening. Uh, you know, you think about like water turning to blood and fish all dying and everything, and you're like, then there's frogs, you know? But then you start thinking of how the Lord described the amount of frogs that are going to be there. Uh, Some people here are frog lovers. Some people here are frog haters, Uh, you know, but uh, frogs aren't frightening. You don't often see people, if they see a picture of a frog, go, oh, man, I don't even want to see those, right? My wife doesn't really care for it when my daughters when they were growing up they catch a frog and come over to her with it she's like ah, you'll know, get that thing away from me but you know uh, frogs are uh for some people very gross and uh, everything but when there's this on a biblical plague proportion when you start thinking like oh frogs everywhere like everywhere now now look at what it says here in houses and bedrooms on beds jumping all over you crawling over you in ovens and bowls. I mean, that's that's problematic. Just think of them not only all over the things, but what do you hear at night when they're frogs, right? The croaking, right? Imagine how loud that was. You know, so you're not sleeping. You know, I, I don't know any of us that that are really going to sleep really well. You know, when you're all snuggled in your bed, you got your head on your pillow just right, and you got the fan hitting you, and you're nice and warm and you know comfortable and just that's not going to happen when everything is covered in frogs so bad that all their cooking utensils are covered in frogs. Right. That's, that's disgusting. Right. Um, I love frogs, but I don't want them in my pancakes, you know? So, um, you know, I'm not getting a frog tattoo, but I like frogs, you know, I just, you know, so uh, after, you know, the, the water had turned to blood and nasty rotten fish smell and sights, Now there's going to be frogs everywhere. I just hit a frog driving home from here. Uh, I think it was Sunday night. And I felt bad. <laughs> so they're out, right? You know, they're, they're going along and I'm like, I, for the record, I don't swerve out of the road for animals. I just, and I don't swerve violently. If I'm going to hit them, I'm going to hit them, but I'm not going into a tree for even a deer. Unfortunately, I've hit two or three of them. You know, it's just, I'll slow down. I might move a little bit, but you know, for a frog, sorry, bud. <laughs> you know, and I could just see it coming across the street and I felt bad and, you know, I did. I genuinely felt bad because I'm like, he's just hopping his way across the road and here comes a G, here comes a GMC. And just, I'm sorry, he's telling me to stop. here. <laughs> but it's bad. You know, frogs, I was thinking, you know, poor frogs, they don't get much respect, especially from little boys, you know, or, or even teenagers, right? I remember hearing these awful things. People are like, yep, yeah, we'd chuck them up in the air as high as we could, or we'd put firecrackers in their mouth. And I'm like... I just, I, you know, I I just never, never understood. I'm just maybe not that much of a jerk when I was a kid, you know, I'd kill moths, but yeah, anyways, yeah. But anyways, you know, uh, but, uh, poor, poor frogs, you know, so as much as I think they're pretty cool, you know, and, uh, they're interesting and everything, I don't want them all over my house. I don't want any of those things. So there's quite a bit to consider here when it's talking about even in a kneading bowl. So Verse five says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the waters, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So based on what we see here in verse five, we uh, know that Pharaoh said no to this based on what God said. You know, God said, but if you refuse, then the frogs are coming. That isn't listed here, but it's implied that uh, he said no, and, uh, and you know, if you refuse, this will happen. You know, the scriptures are filled with warnings of against disobedience to God's word, and, you know, God sets choices uh, before men. Now, probably one of the most familiar scriptures, uh, when you consider choices God gives us, are, is uh, Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. Excuse me. It says, um, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice that you may cling to him for uh he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land of uh, the land which the Lord spoke to your fathers to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob to give them I mean that's that's quite a uh, an easy for us with hindsight, that's an easy choice, and it should have been though in those days. Like, hey, if you choose me, things are going to go well in your life. I'm, uh, you know, that I would be your life. You know, that you may love the Lord your God uh, and obey His voice; and you may cling to Him, for He is your life in the length of your days. He is our life. He's the one that gives us life. Right? He breathes uh, the breath of life into us. You know, that's a uh, and and then He just says, you know, I lay before you. Um, uh, that, uh, that there would be, uh, the choice, I should say, uh, blessings are cursing. Therefore just choose life. You know, blessings are cursings. Uh, isn't that an easy one, right? Like, you know, those, those easy things, like, would you rather be squirted with a squirt gun and punched in the face? That's an easy one, right? Now, right, I, I, that's a bad analogy, but that's what came to mind, right? None of us want to get punched in the face, right? It's, it's just one of those things. Even uh, you know, a professional fighter, you move so you don't get hit in the face, right? That's the point. You don't stand there uh, so you can, you can take one in the face. We'd rather have something else. And, uh, but that, that, uh, as obvious as that is, think how much more obvious it is to choose blessings over cursings. And the Lord's just saying, choose life. And he's saying the, the wonderful life that, that exists with God. So we're presented with choices. Pharaoh was presented with a choice, you know, whether he would uh, obey what the Lord was saying or reject it. So we know based on verse 5 he rejected it because God gave the command for Aaron to stretch his hand out over the waters. So in verse 6 it says, So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so uh, with their enchantments and brought up frogs uh, on into the land. So it's another example of Aaron stretching out his hand uh, with his staff in it And this time it's for frogs now Am I the only one that finds it funny verse 7 that the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought more frogs Just these clowns man, they're they're uh, That that's that's just stupid, you know, why didn't they I like, try to make the frogs go away Hey, let's make the problem worse, right? And that's what they were doing all along, but it's just now we see it in black and white. Uh it's it's dumber, uh, they're dumber than we thought. And uh so they literally made it worse on themselves, and God's giving them over to strong delusion that in their wickedness and rejection of him, they don't even get it. You know, they're just like, hey, we could do that too. Yeah, how many frogs did you bring up? And and you know, you probably got some looks from your wife or whatever. Like, did you really? You know, I don't know. But verse eight. <clears throat> Then Moses called for, uh, sorry. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, "Entreat the Lord that He may take away the frogs from me and from my people. I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord." So they have Pharaoh's attention here for a little while, and only while the problem exists, uh, because there isn't an amount of brokenness here. There's just desperation for for this to end. And he asked Moses. Uh, to ask God to take it away. And here's a lie coming. I'll let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. That's a lie, we know, because we're going to see it unfold here. So promises getting made in desperation, uh, they do all the time, but they're very seldom kept. You know, uh, and, uh, you've probably been through it your life. Maybe have been the one doing it that, uh, Hey, I'm going to promise this person, this, this, this will never happen. I promise. I swear to you. uh you know, if, if this just happens, then I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this, this, and this. And when it's gone, it's like, yeah, I'm out of here. You know, that's, that's how things go in desperation. It's easier to make those promises than it is to actually, you know, um, you know, put your money where your mouth is and, and, uh, and keep the promise. So. Verse 9, and Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, I like that, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for uh, for you, for your servants, and for your people to destroy the frogs uh, from you, uh, uh, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may re- remain in the river only. So he said, tomorrow. Why would you say tomorrow? <laughs> Why would you say right now? Right? So here's another thing, like the the goon squad brought up more frogs and and now you're looking at at uh, at this opportunity to ask for the frogs to be taken right now and he says why don't we wait for tomorrow it's stupid you know there's you know uh, maybe he was still holding out hope that his people would be able to figure out a way uh, to 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 you know counter this and uh, so that he wouldn't have to hold up his part of the bargain don't know that's just speculation but he just said tomorrow, and that's a dumb answer. Uh the, the the dumb and uh unwise answers and uh actions just continue here. So Moses speaks again here, continuing in verse ten. And he said, when it says and he, he said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God, and the frogs shall depart from you and from your houses. From your servants and from your people, they shall remain in the river only. You know, I like that, that Moses says this, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. That, hey, guy, we just, we just uh, changed water into blood and all the fish died. That didn't get your attention. Now we got frogs all over the place. And uh, you want me to ask. So, yeah, I'll ask, but I'm going to tell you this. That uh, when I uh, when I intercede for you, you need to know that there is no one like Yahweh, our God, the uh, L O R D. Uh, that uh, Yahweh, Jehovah, uh, there's no one like Him. So you can you can uh, say what you want, but you just need to understand that um, we're going to pray. And uh, you're basically Moses knew that there was going to be a uh, there would be more lessons here, and it's going to be a further display of God's power. Uh, that that even as this happens, like, okay, you're overwhelmed by the the power of God that he, he struck you with, with all these frogs. Now you're going to be overwhelmed by the fact that they all die and uh, that he has control of this. Verse 12 says, Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought up against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses and the frogs, Died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. <laughs> They're not coming up out of the river anymore, but the ones that are here are here. But you know, that's that's pretty tough. So they went from the smell of dead fish to the smell of dead frogs, and I don't really want to experience which one uh, you know smells worse. But the fact that these things are heaped up in the land and they stank. That sounds awful. It's disgusting and repulsive, but a reminder to Pharaoh of his rebellion and his failure as a leader and as a man. You know, he was presented these options, and uh, he could have spared himself, his family, his nation of this, but in his hardness of heart, he wouldn't, and he didn't. And uh, and so they get this awful reminder. Now, when we consider Egypt biblically, Egypt is a picture of sin, the bondage of sin. So we can you know if, if you look at it in, in that light right even right now, think of the stink that that uh, happens in our spiritual life when we go the way we want to, and God has to give us what we wanted, and we realize how bad things really got. You know, that stink of dead fish, the stink of piled up heaps, heaps of dead frogs. I mean, that uh, just shoveling them. I mean, what are you doing? you know? Uh, who knows but heaps of dead frogs you know our lives can be the same when we're not obedient to the to the scriptures when we're disobeying the lord we can go down the same road and then we're just left with why did i do that you know i i I would hold i thought i'd hold out and that this would happen that would happen and maybe it would all just go away and god saying no you need to repent and turn to me and and what do we get what do we get left with heaps of dead frogs spiritually that's stink awful spiritually. Right. Then we're dealing with the 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 what we wanted, the penalty of uh you know what comes along the full the full penalty of our sin is hell. But God in his graciousness might just let us deal with you know flopping around on the ground and uh, having to smell and see all these things uh to get our attention. You know, when we see what's happening here, we're gonna study through three plagues tonight. And we'll see the graciousness of God giving time, a chance after chance after chance. And we see that as things were happening, that that Pharaoh's heart just keeps getting harder as it as these things happen. So look at verse 15. It says, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now remember, because we can read through Scripture, and I don't know about you, but especially as a, as a new Christian, I read that and I'm like, wait a minute. Pharaoh was just a pawn. He didn't have any choice, and God hardened his heart. No, his heart was already hard, and we've done this. We've talked about it for two weeks now, so I won't get into too much. But his heart is already hard, and, and God knew that it was only going to harden. and God was going to continue doing what he wanted to do regardless of uh, you know Pharaoh's hardness of heart, that God was going to continue. Remember... Because God said in Genesis 15 that he was going to judge the nation that kept uh, the, the people of Israel for 400 years. So we're, wa- we're witnessing these judgments coming on them, these plagues coming on them. So, but when Pharaoh, where it says, he saw there was no relief, he hardened his heart, did not heed them. You know, rather than responding to God's mercy, he rejected him further. And it says, as the Lord said this. So this is, this is typical for an overwhelming circumstance. I know we discussed it earlier. But now we've actually seen the circumstance that was so overwhelming. And he went to them. He's like, just tell God to stop and I'll let you guys go. Right? Because of the overwhelming circumstance, he'll say anything he, he wants to and anything he thinks is going to come and maybe please uh, Moses. And uh, he'll say anything he wants but he knows deep down he does not want to let the children of Israel go. So when he has the opportunity to come good on his promise, he doesn't. You know, he took the uh, the approach of whatever makes uh, this thing go away. You know, whatever it takes. You know, whatever it takes to make this thing go away. Um, just that was the approach he took, and then he forgot how bad the circumstances were. Now. Uh, that's a a sign of a hard heart, and we see it literally spelled out there, you know, and and there's a reminder to us, don't ever follow that example, that if we're willing to say, God, I know that this is is, as a result of my sin, if you take this away, I'll never go back to that sin, okay, if we're doing that, if we're of that mindset, uh, you know, us making promises to God, I I, I don't know about you guys, but almost every promise I've ever made, to uh, probably every one of them, I'm just going to say it safely. I can probably say every promise I've made to God has probably been broken. You know, whether completely broken or half or whatever, that promise. You know, God's, God's the one. Man, I am brutal to that little mic. Brutal. Frenchman, tie my hands down. God is the one that is faithful to his covenant and his promises. We are the ones that go astray. We're the ones that cause the problems. So, you know, there's wisdom that uh, in submitting to the Lord and to his word along with prayer, those things are going to be beneficial in our fight against a mindset that would lead us. If we're at that point, we're already way uh, worse off than we thought we were. We're already a, a, in a worse spot spiritually than we thought we were when we're going, God, if it's this, you know, I just need to take this away and, and, and then I'll, I'll I'll never do that again. You know, we're in a, a worse spot spiritually than we might have thought we were. Because if our minds were set, if our hearts were set where they needed to be, we would have seen that and gone. That's sin, right? It's a learning thing. Don't get derailed by it. It's a learning opportunity for us. Will we have residual effect? We might have dead stinky frogs to deal with in our lives, but you know, it's not that we're still breathing. You know, we have an opportunity to let the Lord restore us. Don't don't get completely re, uh, you know derailed, but it's it's um, it's a, a a symbol of what is going on in our hearts. So what does it mean to have a, you know a hardened heart? It's a, a, to witness something that's clear, clear evidence that God has done something, and uh, and and to still refuse to accept His word and His will. That's what it is to a hard heart. God, I know You just did this and You proved Yourself strong here, but I'm still going to go do this. That's, that's, a, that's the, the uh, symbolism of a, of a hard heart. You know, that's a, a symptom of a hard heart. So, you know, when we look at, at, at these things and we're talking about a hard heart, that's the, you know, when we see clear evidence, just like Pharaoh just did, clear evidence of the power of God, but it's not enough for us. Then we need to go to the Lord and say, God, soften this heart. This heart of stone, I need you to soften it. And that's a biblical prayer to say. You know, God, my heart is heart. I need you to soften it. Any will. You know, that desire, that brokenness over our sin. You know, but if you remember Pharaoh's initial response in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I don't care what you have to say, guys. You 83 and 80 year old man, get out of here. Right? I don't want to listen to you. Who is the Lord that I should even obey his voice? You know, that spirit of that voice you know, who is the lord i should obey his voice is very much alive and well today in our culture and in the church unfortunately in the church churches are filled with that mindset maybe not so boldly like that but inwardly i just don't want to do what god's telling me to do right and if the church would uh would repent we're going to find that um we are uh, going to be in the mindset that the Lord is going to to build us and help us and strengthen us. So a uh, quote I read uh, from Warren Wearsby about a hard heart said, the same sun melts ice and hardens clay. It's all about the material's response to the thing or one affecting it. The, I'll read that again. The same sun melts ice and hardens heart, hardens clay. It's all about the material's response to the thing or one affecting it. So, considering a hard heart, you know this the same things. You know God, God is is uh, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can't say that He's different to somebody else than He is to us. God's God's character is the same, and God's word is the same. It's how are people going to respond to it? You're going to be melted by the word of God and and uh, you know molded into whatever He wants, or you're going to be hardened. You know it's 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 really um, sometimes a, a a it is a choice whether we want to obey the Lord or not. So I can't even say sometimes, but. Uh, Third plague here, verse 16. So this is judging set or seat. I don't know how they'd say it, but the Egyptian god of the desert. So if you're considering what it might be judging. Now, um, my Bible says lice. Uh, Other uh, translations may say bugs or gnats. None of them sound appealing to me. I don't want them crawling in my ear or being in my hair or whatever else it may be. So verse 16 says, so the Lord said to Moses, when when we say, so the Lord said to Moses, we got to remember that uh, Pharaoh had uh, just hardened his heart and didn't heed what they said uh, to him and what the Lord had said. So uh, when it says, so the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck Uh, the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast, and the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Egypt is a desert. (laughs) So when the dust of the land becomes lice or bugs, gnats, whatever whatever your thing is, that's a lot of them. guys ever been to a spot where you're swarmed with gnats all over the place? You can't even breathe in. I remember watching a baseball game. I think it was in, it was a Yankee game, I think, which was fantastic because it was happening at Yankee Stadium, and I'm a Red Sox fan, right? And they were getting swarmed by these gnats, and they didn't even know what to do with it. You know, and they're trying to figure out, do we pause the game? What do we do? And, of course, it's just a Red Sox-Yankees baseball joke. But, you know, anything that happens, you want always want the, the Yankees to lose as a Red Sox fan. But that's when you're breathing it in. When they're going up your nose, they're getting in your eyeballs, right? You know, all those things, consider that. So if it's gnats, just consider that swarm of of, uh, just, they're they're everywhere. But where it says lice, you know, if if frogs didn't bother you, now creepy, crawly things will. Think about it, right? You ever had something crawl on you and for the rest of the day, you're like, yeah, like that, right? Yes. I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with lice in your family. Uh, Years and years ago. Years ago, when our our kids uh, were in school, uh, we got a message from the teacher saying, hey, half the kids in the class have lice. And then you start going, whose kid was it? Whose kid was it? But it ended up spreading to one of our daughters. And then two of our daughters. Did it get to three of them? Two of them. Two of them. That was awful. Awful. And we felt dirty. We felt gross. And we're like, my kids have lice. What is going on? And then, of course, the doctors being nice. They're like, lice? yeah, Lice like clean hair? It's a good thing. You're keeping good care. I'm like, no, it's not a good thing. Don't, you know, just no compliments, please. We're dealing with lice. You know, two hours a night. My wife's with a fine-tooth comb going through every strand of hair of my kids and taking it and like this. And just, I was like a month long, wasn't it? Am I going to get in trouble for sharing this? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know. The kids are like graduated. One's in the senior in college. One's in the senior in high school. So, anyways, they uh, were in like kindergarten and third grade at this time. But they got it, and it was awful. And I remember every night we're sitting there watching TV, and Jen's, shh. And have you seen my kids' hair? They're full of hair. It's thick, right? And and of course we're sitting there going, of course we have three girls. <laughs> you know, guy, you can just go bruh and you're done, right? And that's what I was doing with my hair, right? (laughs) Punky just touches the top of his bald head. So, right? (laughs) Lice aren't going to be a problem for him, all right? But it was one of those things where my wife is up and she's like, I can't sleep. There's lice, you know? And we're taking all the stuffed animals and we're taking them, putting them in bags and throwing them out in the the storage shed we have out there. And, you know, washing the blankets and, and everything every night. Every night we're watching it was awful. I could not believe of this proportion that all of the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Whether it's gnats, whatever it is, all of anything just crawling all over and just getting everywhere. It's awful. You know, that's a that's a, a really bad spot to be in. So here are the geniuses in verse 18 are at it again. <clears throat> Fire these guys, right? But no, don't, really. It's funnier this way. But uh, verse 18 says, now the magicians so worked uh, with their enchantments to bring forth lice. uh, (laughs) Sorry, but they couldn't. Sorry. I, I was thinking of another one. So it says, but they could not. You know, for once they failed. But they tried. They tried to bring forth lice. Okay, that's where I was really going with it. They tried. Why would they try to bring forth lice instead of combating it? You know, so there were lice on man and beast. Uh, then the magicians said to Pharaoh, "This is the finger of God." That was correct, uh, but Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. So the magicians couldn't replicate the lice, and why would they want to? We already discussed this; they're not the brightest. And um, you know what we see here is they, when they say this is the finger of God, it's not like they were. Uh, Repenting and and coming to God, they were just admitting that that He did something they couldn't do, and that's what they're admitting. Like, okay, this is this is more powerful than than what we can do here. It doesn't say that they turned and followed the Lord. It just that they're making the declaration, like, uh, this is more powerful uh, than us. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had said. Again, God's mercy and power meant nothing to Pharaoh's heart. None of this hardness of heart was a shock to the Lord. It was all as he said it would be. um, God knows all things. He exists outside of time, space, and matter. He knew what was going to unfold in front of him. So when he said this, it was with pinpoint accuracy. Verse 20, we move on to the fourth plague, flies. Okay, so uh, if it was gnats, now they get flies. If it was lice, now it's getting to flies uh, equally just disgusting. Um, and this might be in reference, reference to the Egyptian god. It's UAT, UETCHIT, uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, it's another pagan uh, god that might have been being addressed here. Verse 20 says And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out of the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Now, uh, Pharaoh, uh, I'm sure, 100% sure, that he wasn't too pleased as he's coming out of the water to see Moses and Aaron standing there, you know, as he's, he's coming up out of the water that morning and uh, probably quite tired of these two. Now, this wasn't like day to day to day. This is spread out. Uh, so you're talking, you know, 10 plagues, then if they all lasted they you have know, seven days or so, you know, you're, you're talking about, let's say, two, three months. Depends on how long they were. So this is a long time they were going through this. It wasn't like one day. I mean, they were going through it all, and suffering. And then finally Pharaoh would, would, would come to his senses a little bit and come and ask for mercy. Uh, and God would grant the mercy, uh, but they'd still have to deal with some of this. But so, uh, you know, God gives Moses the same message for Pharaoh. Uh, you know, it's the same, you know, let my people go that they may serve me. There's no change. You know, God's God's uh, command remained the same. It wasn't like, OK, so you we're going to negotiate here, Pharaoh. You know, God's not in in the the um, habit of negotiating with someone like this. You know, yes. OK, maybe I'll grant you some mercy, but I'm not going to change my will for you. And uh, so the same message is let them go. And uh, verse 21 says, Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and on your uh, your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms and flies and also the ground on which you stand. So they had blood water, and rotten fish, frogs and lice. And uh, this is a fair warning. With the consequences being uh, spelled out very clearly here. Now, uh, the uh, thing that they would be facing is a swarm of flies. You know, houses full of swarms of them. It'd also be on the ground, so there's no escape of flies. You know, flying again into your mouth, nose, ears, buzzing around. You're not going to sleep. This is this is bad. This is tough. uh, What they're going through and what they're about to go through. Uh, so they had the warning, and uh, verse 22, it says, in, in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. So what we see happening in verse 22 is a separation between Goshen the land that the children of Israel were dwelling in, and the rest of Egypt. And we see God's grace covering his people. Uh, There was a a quote I read. It said, only God could control the flight pattern of innumerable amount of flies. You know, think about that. Only God could control all of that. And when he says, you're going to deal with it, my people aren't. And the Jews escaped all of the last seven plagues, plagues as we uh, read through here. So God was making a distinction between Him punishing Egypt and not His people. What we see is the beginning of a picture of what's going to come for the last plague, which is the Passover. So we start seeing the distinction between God's people and the children of Israel, and uh, the children, uh, the children of Israel and the nation of Egypt. So Egypt symbolize the world system and we just said that and in its pride and 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 bondage uh, god is showing a separation that is available to those that follow him rather than the plagues that can come into lives of uh being in a spiritual egypt but here it's a a physical egypt you know that egypt that represents sin like we talked about so um we have uh we see that there are clearly two um, different parties, Israel and Egypt. Verse 24, And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh and into his servant's house, and into the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted because of swarms of flies. So no Egyptian homes were spared. Consider the poor kids in this, right? Can you imagine what, what, because of the stubbornness of their leader, Uh, That just they're crying, they're not sleeping, everything. It's because of their leader's hardness of heart and his uh, unwillingness to listen to the word of the Lord and obey it. And that he's causing this to happen on all his people. It included Pharaoh and his servants' home. Swarms of flies, it says, came and corrupted the land. Uh, You know, this might have been for a disease uh that was spread from fly eggs uh just being spread gross right it's disgusting um i don't mean to be gross but you ever seen um you ever like open your trash lid if it's been a little bit right and it's like covered in like wetness you know all the all the um the uh the dew and everything and then you just got you have flies there and of course uh maggots and i don't like i said i don't mean to be gross turn i know we all just ate dinner, and I'm not trying trying to be gross, but just, just think of how bad this is, that it corrupted the land, it says, because of the swarms of flies, you know, it, it's just gross, it's nasty, and it's annoying, and they're all over the place, and you can't escape them, <clears throat> then you see the first word in verse 25, then Pharaoh called uh, for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice uh, to your God in the land, then he did. What made him think this wasn't going to happen? I still think that he was hoping his magicians would be able to do uh, to fight against it, but uh, we don't have any record of that or anything. But it says then Pharaoh, only after allowing this to happen, and his pride and stubbornness, and he says, "Go and sacrifice uh, to your god in the land." So this is the first of four compromises we're going to see here. The first one being in. Verse 25, four compromises that Pharaoh offered to Moses and Aaron to try to take control of the situation. So the first one is go sacrifice to the Lord your God in the land. Stay in Egypt and sacrifice to the uh, the Lord. There has to be a separation for the child of God from paganism. And uh, and we'll see Moses address that here. But there are lessons for us as Christians to learn here. We can't worship God on ours or anyone else's terms. You know, God established worship, and we are to uh, worship him on his terms. That's the problem today. With many people that I know that I've talked to in my life, they're like, hey, I'm going to have my own relationship with you. I can talk to God out in the woods when I'm fishing sure you can you can you can uh you can you know pray you can talk to him i do when i'm out there and just taking my time often you know taking my dog for a walk in the woods We've got nice trails in bucksport taking him for a walk and that's some time just to just to pour my heart out to the lord or just meditate sometimes just sing or think about nothing sometimes but whatever it is but when we have yes you can do all those things but what does god say you know hebrews 10:25 is very clear not forsake the gathering together of the brethren As some have taught, we're not supposed to, we're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be gathered around his word. If we're thinking I can be a lone ranger believer and me and God have this thing. I, I have never had somebody tell me that and gone, you know what? You have the fruit of the Holy spirit. Just, just, you're like a tree with Holy spirit fruit, just all over it. I've never once, never once had that. Not one time. Have I ever looked and go, oh, I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all these things just coming out of your life. It's, I never, ever see that. I often hear that from somebody who's in bondage to something. And they say, you know what, I, I, I know I'm not perfect, but I have my time. Yes, you can have that quiet time of prayer with the Lord. But we have to go to God on God's terms, not our own terms. right? We submit our will to God, not... God submitting his will to his creation. When And the amazing thing is his terms are awesome. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. We just come to him uh, through Jesus Christ. But the resistance there means there might be some sort of accountability or something I need to give up in my life that I don't want to give up. Anytime I've had those, those strings on my heart being pulled, God has revealed, you don't want to do this because of this. And I'm, you're absolutely right. I have to go in that direction against my will to follow the Lord. Right? The in in what's called the Lord's Prayer uh, or the model prayer it says uh, that Thy will be done. Right? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In our hearts, we like to say My kingdom come. My will be done. Right? There's there's that struggle that happens until we submit to the Lord. We're not called to live uh, lives of compromise. So we can't worship God on our own terms. You know, he's, he is God and we aren't. We can't have the approach of a little bit of God and a little bit of the world. 2 Corinthians, you'll see these popping up here. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18. <clears throat> Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and I shall be, and you shall be my sons and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. God is calling us to live separate lives than uh, than uh, what the world might embrace. You might be called a bigot because you may you may say, "Hey, you know what? I, those that doesn't align with my beliefs. I'm not going to wear that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that." Should we walk around just lopping off ears saying I'm better than you and you know that's going to be the approach but if you say no I'm I you know I'm I'm not a perfect man I'm not a perfect woman but I'm somebody that God is working in and I trust his word and and I trust God over man you know if we're going to get called a bigot because we don't go along with this that the other thing whatever you know we need, we need to be gracious we need to be loving in this in this culture we're probably not going to draw somebody to them, uh to to the Lord by by just standing there with a sign screaming they're going to hell. I haven't heard of anybody that's that's converted uh, to the Lord when when somebody's just damning them to hell. But when somebody will come over and get to know their name, and say, "Hey, can we talk? Have that discussion," you know, or they they approach us like, "Hey, you're doing this. Well, you want to have a conversation? Why I'm not doing that?" And we can. Uh, we can say, I'm called to be separate. I'm called to be different. That's what, you know, 2 Corinthians 6 says. And you can show them that. Say the Lord has called a Christian out of that. Not that we're better, but God has called us away from those things. So we can't have a compromise in our faith. I have another Warren Wearsby quote. It's once we start to negotiate the will of God and see how close we can get to the world, we have already disobeyed him in our own once we start to negotiate the will of God and see how close we can get to the world, we have already disobeyed him in our hearts. If We find ourselves wanting to just jump in and let the current take us down in that way. Oh, hey, this is peaceful. This, is, this isn't really going to be that bad. And then we try to wait, negotiate, do I really need to give that up or those things? Our hearts have already uh, turned that way. Uh, so we're, uh, like I said earlier, we're already in a worse spot than we thought we were. Verse 26. And Moses said, it is not right to do so. So when he, what he's saying is, it's not right for us to, to worship the, the the Lord in your land. It's not right to do so. For we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? So here's Moses saying, wait a minute. You've got all these things here, and I'm not going along with any of them. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice uh, to the Lord our God as he will command us. So uh, they need to be out of Egypt. He tells them uh, that the people won't have what Pharaoh is trying uh, to uh, present to them, and there's a set way for them to serve God, and we're not going to compromise. You know, that's the summary of what's being said here. We're going to serve God as he will command us. Guys, there's a re- that you want to have resolve about something. then you can just say that somebody doesn't like that. We don't have to be prideful in saying it. Say your problem is with God. It's not with me. You know, if you don't like that, I'm following the Lord this way, then I'm sorry. And, you know, if you don't want to talk to me, I understand it. But you got to understand your problem is with God. I'm just obeying what the Bible says. You know, and and uh, you know, where was the conversation going to go with that next? I don't know, but that's the Bible is the authority for the Christian because we believe what it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That it's the counsel of God. It's what speaks to us. It's what leads us in God's way. Verse twenty-eight. For so Pharaoh said, "I will let you go that you may sacrifice the Lord your God in the wilderness." Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. So you know look at look at verse twenty eight, and you see all the little strings being attached here. Uh, It's funny. He's going at it from every angle he can. He says, you know, don't go too far, intercede for me. Uh, you know, uh, don't forget to intercede for me. Is, is he's just he's trying to make that point, you know. For the Christian, the temptation can be to to not get uh, too deep into our relationship with Christ because we don't want to be considered, you know, a Bible fanatic or oh oh they, they go to church twice a week, twice a week. Now yeah, this guy over here two times a week in church, right? And we're worried like that's a bad thing. Like who cares? You know, I've had a, as my kids were growing up. And we were, we were just talking about whatever it was, you know, whether it was the, the culture of the day, like, you know, whether you listen to this, you, dr- you, you, you dress with this or uh, like any of those things. And I say to him, like, uh, you know, oh, that'll look, you know, if we ever heard the, well, uh, I'm going to look, I'm going to look, you know, funny or whatever like that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not dressing my kid like Mr. Rogers or anything. They're d- girls. I hope not. But, you know, it, but it's one of those things where I'm telling the girls like, who cares like if you're going and and we as a family are walking through the mall well, I'll just use that as an example. who cares if somebody sees you walking with your family in the mall? I get it guns teenage girls don't want to walk with their parents. I get it, right, but if we are close and we're you know we're we're walking who and i and I tell them I'm like so this this all star, I've been out of, out of school now for <clears throat> twenty six years but it's when I graduated from high school. I realized that this year. Uh, my buddy, Mike Archer, was so faithful to remind me and Dave Lehman, hey, we graduated 26 years ago, right? So 26 years. But this probably happened, I don't know, 10 years ago. We started just talking to the kids and saying, hey, when you graduate, when you, when you're, when you grow up, nobody remembers anything about anybody. There, there's like – think about your childhood, right? What was so important? What was it that stuck? And what, did we, what were we afraid of? And it's like, why was I afraid of Who cares? I'll, I'll just flat out admit, I didn't want to do band in high school because it wasn't cool to do. It wasn't cool to do. I wish I would have. I'd be a, a lot better guitar player than I am right now. But for me, and as, Bucksport was a little bit rough of the of school, I'll say that. You know, if, if you were in this, this, and this, well, you know, and, and you try to play football, probably not going to work. You might end up in a locker, <laughs> you know? And so I did football, wrestling and baseball. I was safe, you know, and I love those sports and everything, but I, I wish I would have, I was too worried about, but man, looking back, I'm like, I wish I would have done band. You know, I would have learned bass, learned drums or something. And, and it got to a point where, you know, instead of just, yeah, you know, I'm not going to go pro in baseball. I didn't even make it past my freshman year because I couldn't hit the ball. A good defender, but I couldn't hit. You can't hit. You don't play, right? But I I, you know, that whole caring, caring about things, man. Who? Why do we care so much about what, what people think of us? You know, that's just so much to to control us. <clears throat> ah, just a mess. How did I even get on here? Oh, Christian, temptation can be not to get too close to the Lord. Like, oh, you're going to church twice a week. You know, just dive into the Lord. You know, as he increases, we decrease. Our peace increases, our problems decrease, right? It's a a great trade-off. James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, when Pharaoh said here, Uh, You know, I will let you go that you may sacrifice, uh, only that only you shall not go very far away. No, we if we're looking at Egypt and we're still looking at it and, and, and using it as a type for sin, we want to be very far away from sin. We don't want to stay very close. What does James say? Keep ourselves unspotted from the world. If we're close to it, right. Heard a funny story about Shane. He got a new white shirt. And uh, that that Sarah gave him. And he just put the shirt on, right? Just put it on. And they're walking out to go somewhere. And he's got his coffee cup stained shirt, right? (laughs) How long does it take us to stain our lives, right? It's not long. It it, It can be like that. Keep ourselves unspotted from the world. How do we do that? Being plugged into the Lord. Not staying in the same circumstances. Like God said through Paul in Second Corinthians to come out from among them and be separate. Be different. Set ourselves apart to the Lord. James chapter 4 verse 4 says, Adulterers and adulterers do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We can't give in to the bait that says don't go too far into your relationship with God stay close stay close you want to keep this around right yes you can go to church you can do these things get in you can even go to a bible study you can do those but don't give up this you don't want to give this up don't go too far into your relationship with god because then you're going to regret it that's how sin works right that enticing very sin is very enticing wants to draw us in then we're participating in sin, and then sin, as James says, leads to death. So the first, when when I, I talked about the first uh, of the four compromises that Pharaoh had offered to Egypt, the first one was worship in the land, worship here. You know, don't go where God is calling you to go. Worship here. The second compromise was don't go very far away. The third one. He's going to come in Exodus chapter 10 uh, during the locust plague. And he's, he's going to say, well, only men can go, not the little ones. You can't take your your children with you. Only men can go serve there. He's still trying to hold on to control. And then when we get to Exodus 10 verses 24 through 26, he's telling them, you all can go, but you can't take your herds and your flocks. So those are the four compromises that he offers, two of them here in this chapter, verses 25 and verse 28. You know, that, that uh, you know you can stay in the land. You can remain in sin, you know, if we're still in the spiritual sense, right? You remain in sin or don't go too far. You know, those, those two compromises. Don't accept them. Don't accept them. Verse 29, then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out. From you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. But let Pharaoh deal not deal deceitfully anymore uh, in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. You see the you know Pharaoh saying here you know Moses told uh, Pharaoh's like yeah you know we can make this work just just. Just release these flies here. Moses says, "Oh, well, I'll go do this," and you know, and he tells him, "I'm going to ask God to take away the flies tomorrow." But don't try to deceive us anymore uh, in not letting us go. You know, in other words, Pharaoh. Uh, Moses is looking at him. I know you're playing games. You need to stop playing games. I'm on to them. Like, if you want to keep going, then uh, you know it's not going to turn out well for you. Verse thirty. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, who removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people, not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Moses asked, God removed the swarms of flies. Look at it, removed them so much that not one fly remained. They got so bad that they had corrupted the land, right? And at God's word, God's command, all those flies that were commanded by him to go there, left. They're all gone at God's word, at God's command. Think of the power that God has displayed to them. The frogs, the lice, the the flies. All these things at God's word, at God's command. Pharaoh's heart. Although he had seen miraculous things was still hard to what God was doing. He wouldn't accept who God was. Where it says here, but Pharaoh hardened his heart, his heart uh, hardened his heart uh, at this time, neither would he let the people go. You know, the games are going to continue. Ultimately, God's judgment is going to continue. Uh, and we know from being able to read ahead, which I encourage you to do, uh, that that they've got a few more coming their way, and they're not going to be pleasant. So some encouragements. For us, we're not to have hard hearts like Pharaoh to God's mercy and power. God displayed his mercy and power to Pharaoh three times we just saw, and three times Pharaoh's heart remained hard against him. That we wouldn't live lives of compromise; that we would stand, stand steadfast in our faith, like Moses did, and as he was uh, serving the Lord. And the last would be that we would be obedient to His word. That's our—it's only right and uh, healthy option for us in our lives. You know, consider how things went bad and wrong for Egypt at the rejection of God's word and, and rejection of His word for the Christian, that we wouldn't have hard hearts, we wouldn't have compromise in our life, and that we would obey the word. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word that even when we look at something like this, there are so many truths in us to be able to pull out from what's here and see you know, from frogs and lice and flies, just to see the judgment being poured out on Egypt, to know that that did happen historically. But we also can learn so many spiritual truths from this. And we pray, Lord, that we would, we would uh, retain what we have learned and that we'd apply them to our lives and just grow closer to you and let go of anything that we're holding on to, that we wouldn't have compromise in our lives, that we wouldn't be hard-hearted toward you, and that we would obey your word, knowing that it leads us to life and peace and good things in our life. Thank you for revealing these things. Help us to stand strong in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.